delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the radio show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Well, we've had our mid-season break. We're fully refreshed and ready to go with another big episode of On The Grid. Myself, Mark Walker and Richard Quayle will have a chat about what's happened in the last couple of weeks of motor racing. And there's been plenty happening to talk and to talk about right here in Australia as well. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, joining me again after a week's hiatus... I think we all needed a little break. I'm feeling refreshed anyway. Richard Quayle, first of all, hello to you. We're back. We're back. Uh, We're yes. Back, baby. <laughs> Definitely needed, uh, I think we needed a week off, didn't we? Is there Shebex? any truth in the rumour that you didn't know where you were? I would not have a clue. <laughs> didn't know where I was. Didn't know what the weather was like, except I didn't like it very much. Um, had a weird craving for for. 24-hour car racing. I don't know where that came yeah. from. Um, and uh, crocodile boat cruises on the Adelaide River. I, 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 I wanted one of those and didn't get it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But, no, good to be back, Shebex. As good, to have you back. good to be back myself, Mark Walker. You were always here, but there was no one to talk to. Oh, I just gently talked to myself for a couple of hours <laughs> last week. I had a really good podcast with myself. It was uh, good practice, though, for this week, I think, maybe. No, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, we've had, uh, and we should just explain too. We would love to normally regularly have a guest on the program, but most of the guests are away. It's just that time of year where everyone's just taking a couple of weeks of time heading into Townsville or after Darwin to have an extra week or two of sunshine. And I think most of the population of Australia has had a physical health meltdown the last week as well, judging by everyone I've been talking to. So if you're not feeling well, yeah, I hope you're feeling better. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got oh, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Real bad. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a, been a week. Um, yeah. And, and, and frankly, I think we, we could have got a guest, but, um, we, we just didn't. So, uh, you're just going to have to deal with us for the next 40 minutes or so. Sorry about that. We will try to be intelligent. There's a fair bit to cover off because obviously we haven't spoken about Darwin from two weeks ago and it turned out to be a magnificent weekend, especially for Team 18 to get their first win in that car. We spoke to Frosty Richard uh, only a few weeks ago and he was talking mm. about how much he'd want to get a podium for that team, let alone a win. That was just, that was fantastic to see. I enjoyed our chat with Frosty a couple of weeks ago and... um I, I loved how driven he still was and yet how sort of relaxed and I suppose content with his place in the world, uh, as he should be. Blokes won championships, he's won Bathurst, he's, he's ticked all the boxes, but you felt like winning for that other team was the last sort of check in the box that Mark Winterbottom needed to add to his career and it, it hadn't flowed to that point. So to be able to do that, it was it was such a feel good story, and and in the times that we're in at the moment, where Fords either don't want to, can't, or unable to win, uh, pick pick one, whichever side you're on, um, at least we're getting these great stories where different Camaro teams are winning, and we had the old that was the ultimate performance on uh, up at Hidden Valley. So yeah, I, I loved it. It was great. It's a great story for Winterbottom. It proved how good how good he is. It proved how still how machinery dependent motorsport is in that if if you're a good driver and you've got decent material you're going to go okay and that that mark still has the ability to contend at a particularly high level so you know i, I suspect we probably all knew that but there's no proof like winning so it was a great story and, and it was a feel-good story for the whole paddock because charlie's thrown a heap of cash at the sport he's been in it for a long time he's run a professional race team that hasn't had the success that he's been looking for. So you love seeing that rewarded ultimately. And and this was the opportunity to do it this year, especially I think, and he sure delivered. It's great. My inside information tells me that there was nearly a chance that none of the team were going to turn up on Sunday. The celebration God. on Saturday after the win was just so good that they just thought, let's just take our bat and ball and go. Nothing can beat this. Well, it nearly happened because he qualified just about last yeah. on Sunday morning anyway. So that was suboptimal, wasn't it? 
Mm. Uh, the other the other big story, obviously, in regards to wins was Jack LeBrock, Mark. And you know Jack pretty well. You worked with him a fair bit in in your time as uh, his PR man. Uh, great to see him get that under the belt as well. Yeah, and uh, probably dipping into the hots and knots here, but that win from 2020, it's always had an asterisk against it. You know, whenever anyone's ever brought up, oh, Jack LeBrock won that race. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah but it was a tie race. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Finally, to shake that off, get rid of that, thank God, because he, now he's proof positive that he's a two-time winner at least. And, uh, you know, that's... Uh, Good for Jack. I'm happy that they're able to get that result. And it's proof positive that, okay, outside of the whole Ford schmozzle that's going on at the moment, that the Gen 3 is doing what it's supposed to do and level the playing field. We Mm. saw two absolute underdog winners there in the weekend. You know, you look at the the Chevy side of the ledger, the winners this year are Triple Eight, both the cars there, uh, both the cars from Erebus, which... You know, they're a team capable of winning in the previous generation of cars, but they've been going out there and dogging them this year. Team 18, Matt Stone Racing. So the non-Chevy winners, Brad Jones Racing, they've had four podiums for the season, mm. uh, three second places to date. They had three drivers in the top 10 in Darwin, mm. you know, like in, in the one race. So, like, they've shown good pace. And uh, the other non-Chevy winner was Premier, who's had a best place of fourth during the year. And they've seemingly lacked some engineering firepower today, which uh, to date, which is something that they have addressed in the meantime by shoring up their engineering stocks there. So, I mean, that's another team that's been there or thereabouts in the Chevy. So they've all had, you know, good pace at various stages. So that's what this whole Gen 3 thing was about. You know, it's standardizing the car, standardizing what all these different teams have at their disposal. And if you're good enough on the day, you can go and get it done. If you'd been away from the country for 12 months and you came back and asked the question of who would be the best non-performing Chevy teams at this point in time, the two you mentioned probably wouldn't be the two that first come to mind. They would have been, of course, WAU and Tickford. And they've nearly been the worst performing teams of uh, the Ford brand. Oh, well, I mean, that, that's hard on Tickford with, well, with, for all everyone except Cam Waters. Um, Correct, yes. I, I agree with you. But well, I was going to ask him my next question, and I'll throw it in now at the same time then to talk about, is he the unluckiest driver around at the moment? Oh, pro- probably. Um, could, could have, should have, would have. Uh, and, and you're only as good as the machinery you're given in motorsport. That's the problem. But it, it's like being... Buddy Franklin playing for the Swans at the moment. You can be the best goal kicker in football history, but you're still 15th on the ladder. So, because the team around you just aren't quite up to scratch. So that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, I look massively unlucky at Hidden Valley and and I'm not convinced he would have won that race on Saturday, regardless uh, of the fuel line coming off or not. But certainly, you know, he would have had a crack and gee, wouldn't the narrative be different had he done that? But um, yeah, look, the problem with WAU is Chaz is still only fifth in the championship. Like he's, and he's not that far behind. Yep. So despite the fact that they're qualifying at the moment is abysmal, he managed to rag eighth, 13th and ninth out of that thing on the weekend and pass more cars than anybody at Hidden Valley. So it, it it's probably unfair to say that he's going terribly. Um, yeah, but it, it's so hard to judge the four performances, but I mean, the, the good thing about Darwin was that it looked like there was a little bit of return to form for, for DJR and a a certain extent, Will Davison with a really good podium on the Saturday, which was, I think his best drive in a long, long time in, in supercars, given the machinery and given the competition around him. So that was a great result that they're starting to show better speed after a really lackluster start to the year. So yeah, it's, it's so hard to judge the Ford teams at the moment, given everything that's going on. You just, you just sort of don't really know. I got to tell you, um, all I could think about was Martin Brundle after that weekend, 
I haven't been this disappointed since Shrek 2. Yeah. <laughs> that that weekend just left me flat. It really mm. did. Like just the the whole vibe of the internet, even Chevy fans going, oh, this isn't a good situation mm. the sport's gotten itself into. You know, you had that race one where it was Ford's best opportunity all year to have a win. He had good car pace for three laps that we saw him. I mean, mm. that that doesn't necessarily mean that the tyres were going to hang on for the rest of the race, no. do they? So nope. woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um it didn't happen. So, and then turn around the next, the very next race. And this was the stat that the Vat Sleuth dug up. It's the second time in the 63 year history, of the ATCC or supercars, that the top nine cars have been from the one manufacturer. And the last time it happened, it was nine A9X Tiranas and mm. one Ford Escort. Mm. Like you think of all the parity bollocks that have gone on since 1993 that was the absolute worst it has ever been in the 30-odd year history of this category. That's yeah. remarkable to think yeah. that. And you, you look at the Ford teams, you know, there's no there's no nufties in there. They're all quality outfits. Tickford, you know, they're a, a race-winning team. They won race one by default, but since, and, and having since then, they've only had a third in Perth out of their four cars. You look at DJR, they broke through. They had their best weekend of the year to date after their testing, and they came up with a third place there in Darwin. Uh, Walkinshaw and Dreddy, they had two uh, podiums in Newcastle, nothing since. Groves, I mean, they're not necessarily the top flight uh, pedigree of a DJR or a Tickford, but you'd think they're capable. They had two podiums in the first seven races, nothing since. And even Blanchard's the single-car team. Last two seasons, they finished 11th and 12th in points. And, um, you know, they're capable of good results. So it's not like the Ford camp have dud teams that are just not trying. They're absolutely trying the hardest. Mm. And today, I don't think anyone's accusing them of not trying. No, 100%. And that's the problem. Statistically, by now, they should have won a bloody race. Mm. Mm. It's not like there's anything they're pulling at the statistic the other way saying, oh, well, they're all dud teams. They're not going to win. Mm. They're good teams. They should be winning. The, the problem is, and, and you can understand, in a way, you can understand the frustration from supercars about this because you look at the, you look at the race 15, was it race 15? It was the Sunday qualifying session. So the qualifying session for race 15 was the close, I think it was the closest top eight in series history or something like that. So top six cars covered by eight one hundredths of a second. Top six cars, Will Davison is sixth of those, first Mustang, is less than a tenth from pole. So you can understand the frustration from everybody in that the parity thing, and and it goes beyond one lap speed, and I know that, but it's not visibly, it's a very hard sell for some people because on paper, it doesn't look that bad. If you're eight one hundredths away from pole, and that's just the frustration with supercars is that if you're eight one hundredths away from pole at the moment, you're on the third bloody third row of the grid. You'd have every right in the world to be pretty unhappy with life, but but in re- realistically, you're what three inches away from potentially being on pole position. So, and sure, there's tie life issues and there's aero balance issues and all of that. But yeah, it's just so frustrating that we don't we still haven't had a fair read on the car performance because Chaz's thing burst into fire because a fuel line came loose. That's the biggest issue. If we'd got through that race on Saturday and Cam had finished fifth, right? Having led the first couple of laps because it had blown the tires off by mid race, we would have so much more of an argument about, yeah, the parity's broken because look, Chaz, um, Cam, sorry, led early. It was great until the pit stop, smoked the tires off the thing lap time Delta versus the Camaros around him. You could see the trace. Yep. Drop right off, finish fifth or sixth. You go, okay. Yeah. There's a legitimate race pace issue for the Mustangs. Well, we didn't even get that. That's the frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. And then the only Ford headlines are Chaz Mostert can't qualify his bloody thing. So he qualifies 25th because he's six tenths of a second away on raw speed, six tenths and you're 25th on the grid. How irritating would that be? And then the big story is, oh, well, he's passed a bunch of cars because his race car is actually pretty decent. Yeah. So that's the frustration, I think, at the moment is that there's still 15 races in. Yes, there's an issue, but there's not a clear read for everyone to actually go and sell this 
to the people that need to be sold. Because and until that happens, you, you're going to have these arguments. No, it's not. It's the team's fault. No, there's a parity issue. Rah, 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 rah. That's that's the drama. As it is, it's a moot point because in the supercars regulations, there's a, a parity trigger, and that's a hundred percent a fact. And it's been triggered by the domination, so they now have to go and have a look at it, and hopefully come up with a resolution. So, you know, all the parity talk is hopefully going to be resolved. But good luck to them trying to resolve it because now we just there's always going to be an asterisk, isn't there? What if they actually fix the parity, and Chevy go and win the next six races? Is it is it then a parity issue, or is it just the Chevy teams doing a better job? It comes back to that argument again. That's the issue. I've been on some of these calls with Mark Rushbrook, the head of Ford Performance over there in the States, who overlooks all the different Ford programs around the world. And they've been quite vocal in their displeasure of how things have been going in supercars land from the transparency to the lack of the transient dyno testing to the lack of the torque sensors to the, they got this big laundry list that they're unhappy with supercars at the moment. So it'll, be interesting you know they've triggered this review whether they do anything or not remains to be seen what if you're supercars do you play ford's bluff and go no you got to get your act together and stop bursting into flames and do all this sort of stuff or no, do, you, do. do you trigger something because the, i think the problem, you, at the very least you go through the motions the, the pro- problem is if ford walks that's kind of a big deal because they're in quite heavy at the moment like they're supporting the series they're sponsoring all the teams the last time they left uh fpr when was it 2012 or 2013 whenever it was they were simply a sponsor of that one team and it wasn't like they were going in and throwing all these resources at at uh that supercars at the time now they're in there pretty hard and you know there's two manufacturers left and we don't want to lose Ford at this point of the ball game, I don't think, because they're no, really you, backing it pretty hard. So, you don't. but the problem is that if that they, they don't, the thing that Rushbrook has said is that if Ford doesn't feel they can win, they won't participate. Mm, that's fair, hundred um, percent. How having said that, the sport has to be care, and now the, the supercars have to have to do the process, so they have to go through the process of doing everything they can to show Ford that they've done everything in their power to make the parity right. But you can't sit there. There's got to be a point where they go, we've done, we've put the sensors on the cars. We've run them in the wind tunnels. We've done all of this stuff. The ball's in your court now. And you cannot be dictated to by manufacturers. Hmm. That's that's ultimately, that's the problem the sport has had forever is that it's so, and Formula One's had this drama and sports car racing even more so, is that it's been so tied to manufacturers that when they crack the shits and leave, the sport falls over. And sports car racing has been on the precipice so many times in the past. And this is the, one of the concerns about current sports car racing that I found when I was over there is that everyone's paranoid that only one brand can win the Le Mans 24 hour every year. And the 10 other manufacturers that are going to be in the sport in the next two years at some point are all going to go, oh, well, there's no point. I'm not going to be able to beat the Toyotas or the Ferrari. So we'll walk away. And mm. that's, but that's, that's the sport. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a supercars absolutely have to do this right. And this parody review have to do everything they can to show people like Mark Rushbrook. And for God's sakes, they need to be transparent about it too. Um, but they have to do everything they can to show people like Rushbrook and the Ford head honchos that they have, armed the Fords with every ability they possibly can under the rule book to make those cars as competitive as the Camaro. So that they're, they, it is a legitimately parity formula, a level playing field in every respect. Um, if they do that and they can prove on paper, you know, Mr. Rushbrook, here are all the stats. These two cars are identical, as identical as they're going to get. If Chevy then still win the next 10 races and win Bathurst, then it becomes a different different argument. And that's when you have to start going to your manufacturers. Like, well, we've given you all the tools. The ball's now in your court. That's that's the problem. Um, yeah, I don't want Ford to leave. Ford have got a tremendous track record in Australian motorsport of pulling in and pulling out. So it wouldn't surprise me, but they won't because they're, I think they're pretty hard and pretty committed as we've seen, which is awesome. And we love them. 
the other thing too, going back to Cam Waters in the weekend, my God, that fire again. That's just, it's just not something that we've seen over the years. You know, you go back, you know, Carl Reinlatt when he had his big crash, winner bottom at Bathurst when he caught on fire, Bezzy when he had his massive crash at Bathurst, Morrison Larko back in the day. Like, cars catching fire isn't a thing that necessarily happens three times in the first six months of a season. It's, uh, well, the oh, fact it's hard it to watch, isn't it? Fact yeah, it I know. Like, issue. that's the thing. But when it happened live, didn't your heart just sink? Like, it's just, it's just not what you want to see for this generation of car that's no. coming under all this fire at the moment and another bloody fire. The problem is, mm. is that this isn't isolated in the sport. And, and every, I think every category that's introduced a new car relatively recently has had these issues. Well, look at NASCAR and their problems with the current car and its crashability or lack thereof. And their massive concerns about concussion that they're having with their drivers now, because this new car's so stiff that it buggers them all up when they have shunts. Um, IndyCar went through that with for generations of cars time and time again with rear wheel yeah. impacts. Um, and, and even Formula One's having that now with now that, Max Verstappen's so ruthlessly dominant. Everyone's arcing up at this, you know, supposedly great new Formula One car that was designed to revolutionise the sport and make racing better. And all of a sudden, it's not that great because Max is just smoking everybody. Um, and all of a sudden, everyone's looking back at that last year of the last set of regulations going, geez, that was the best season of Formula One we've ever had. So it, it's, I think that we get stuck in our bubble here. It's certainly not an isolated product. And even even sports car racing again, there's there's still massive questions over the balance between the hypercar regulations and the GTP regulations from America and how equal they really are. And will mm. a Porsche 963 or a Cadillac or one of those cars ever actually be able to win Le Mans because the French regulations are probably better for that race? So every, I think every set of... Um, every championship around the world's having this issue at the moment. And I think part of the problem is, is that the rules and regulations are now so tight and so confined and everyone expects either sporting parity or technical parity or sporting parity that it's becoming harder and harder to find a happy medium between that and, and the show. So yeah, I don't know, but it, it's not isolated to what we're going through here either. I think and just a bit of context is probably key there. And this is where the sport, I, I, I think, is lucky that we have that commission in the sport. The, the, my issue being there is if we didn't have that, we still had the owners of the teams still all effectively voting on stuff. The problem there is, is that everyone worries about themselves more so than the actual sport. And we're, as you said, we're in a situation here where the sport could go either way, depending on what this decision on what is happening becomes. And if you've got the Holden people, so if you've got the Chevy people who are saying, no, nah, we're not going to support anything because we don't think there's an issue. And you've got the Ford people saying, well, we need this, da 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 And you end up in a stalemate. We're so lucky that we've got an independent body that might be able to say, this is a situation. That was just a yes. statement. Sure. Mm. Mm. Yes. Otherwise, a good weekend of racing. How was it up there, Tim? Oh, so good. That was good. It was beautiful. <sighs> I, I think it was I was probably, there on the Sunday. I wasn't there for the whole weekend, but it was probably the Melbourne weather that added to my brundleness of oh, the whole 100%. experience. It would have been maybe. <laughs> I can I can imagine why you kept on telling us to get stuffed on the message group every time we sent you a beer in a, of a sunset, a beer in front of a sunset. I can. Oh, I, I'm going to save that you. for my hots and knots, please, Tony. Don't oh, okay. dip into my hots and knots at this stage of the ball game. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I'm getting uh, career cup. Fantastic for Dale Wood to take a clean sweep of everything. Been a while since he's done that, if he's done it at all. Well, never. Uh, and he just turned 40 the week before the um, the week before the round as well. Yeah, it was very, very impressive. He's in good form. El Bamba Motorsport's in good form. That championship's going to be awesome this year. And it, it's turning into a bit of a, um, a youth versus experience. I won't call it young v. old. Uh, youth versus experience battle in that championship with, uh, you know, Dar Wood and Fabian Coulthard coming into the mix and people like that with, uh, with young Callum Hedge, who's just gone and smoked him again in the States in Formula Regional USA. Jackson Wall's doing a nice job. You know, people like Dylan O'Keefe at the front of the field. So 
Yeah, it's a ripper championship. I mean, even that field had 19 cars covered by eight tenths of a second in quality. So hugely competitive. Uh, this is the power of Richard Crail. You nearly caused a massive what up on the Monash Freeway Sunday <laughs> morning when I had the Carrera Cup race two playing over my car stereo going down the road. Oh, they're four wide. Yeah. Oh, I'm in a panic. Oh, yeah. I need to see this. I, I, I want to watch this. No, don't use your phone while driving, kids. And Richard Crail absolutely limited bashing it. Went home and replayed it. That second race was nuts. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was tremendous. And that was. It was for eleventh position. Eleventh <laughs> <laughs> place, and they were three and a half wide down the main straight. Oh, it's tremendous. And and Townsville has always been a really great racetrack for those cars. So I'm looking forward to getting up there in a couple of weeks for uh, for round three. It feels weird that we're only at round three of that championship, but she's going to be a, a run home with a wet sail after that event. It's going to be uh, pretty super. Uh, for me, I was fortunate enough to be at that event just as a punter. This time around, there was no work involved. And it was the first time for me being at a Darwin Supercar event that that was the case. And I got the opportunity to walk pretty much right around the track and see it from all vantage points and mix with the the people there. And geez, they get damn good crowds. There's yeah. a lot of spots that were very, very full of people. Mm. Yeah, it was. How, how much beer did you consume there, Tony? Uh, just a couple. Not oh, too many. Hmm. Not too well, many. You've got to get in the local vibe. Yeah. Yeah. There was it... more beer consumed after the event than there was at the event. Yes, yes, there was. Yes, I, I can confirm that. Um, well, no, it's a terrific racetrack, isn't it? It uh, is. And it's criminal we only go there once a year with national level racing. Um, it's a great, great spectator racetrack. Get up under those trees there up on Shenanigans Hill. It's fantastic. But I think that infield viewing area is massively underrated. Yeah. yeah. Um, went for a walk. It's the first time I've been over there in years. Went for a walk on uh, the Friday night to see some top fuel cars, as one does. Uh, and... Um, went over to the infield to watch them from the start line on the infield of the start line and just popped my head over the back in that sort of area around turn 10, 11 and 12. It's great viewing, really good under the shade, lots of structures built there to protect you from the sun, laid back, relaxed vibe. It's a ripper, ripper joint. It, it remains um, Mark's story on the race talk in the week leading in why it should be on your bucket list of events to go to is 100% true because it is one of the great racing race tracks of the country to, to view from and one of the great laid back events to go and spectate at as well. Loved it. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. I will, I will oh, say, I will say Shebex, yeah. no drag racing there next year is my understanding. Oh. So well, I should mention to the bike, the, the bikes add to the spectacular as well. The super bikes were bloody good, weren't yeah. they? It's good yeah. racing. Yeah. Yeah. Good day to Dale Rogers. Um, yeah, no drag racing there next year is my understanding. They may yet add some, but uh, so I wonder how. And that that the Saturday night drag racing crowd was enormous. Mm. It way bigger than last year. So uh, how they fill that void? I, I'm assuming a concert. Um, it, nothing's been announced, by the way. But this was just the rumor mill floating around on the weekend that that there won't be drags there with this whole new merged drag racing series, which is very good for the sport. But. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how they feel that, but it's a ripper event. And if you get a chance to see top fuel cars in real life, please, please, please do it because they're the coolest things in the world. They're pretty loud too. There's no doubt about that. All right, moving on from uh, supercars, let's make our way to F1s. It's a weird, some stuff happening there. This uh, contract negotiation between Hamilton and Mercedes. One feels like it'll be resolved at some point, but there's also a big part of me that thinks maybe they won't. Maybe they've just, maybe they said, right, well, maybe this is the catalyst for us to say goodbye. No. You don't think so? No. No. Right, so that covers our Formula oh, 1 discussion. No, the Canadian Grand Prix was competent. competent it was better than yes. some of the recent races. Max only won by uh, 10 seconds. Uh one statistic uh, that I saw on TikTok that I assume is true is that uh, the top two leading lap uh, leaders in Formula One this season, of course, Max Verstappen and uh, Sergio Perez, the third on the list at the moment is the dead bird that Max picked up on the weekend <laughs> and led 59 laps with. Uh, it's like racing at Phillip Island. Um, 
Yeah, look, it was an all right race. Um, just love to see, you'd love to see a different winner at this point, wouldn't you? You'd love to see uh, oh, an yeah. Aston Martin get up and get up and boogie and we get to see the fruit of Mercedes AMG's labours with their upgrades and whether they're actually going to be effective or not. A solid third for Lewis Hamilton uh, in that race. But yeah, looking Austrian Grand Prix this weekend would be good. That, it's always a good race, the Austrian GP. It's a good little racetrack, short laps, lots of action, Lots of DRS zones, so always there's the potential for some wild stuff to happen there. So hopefully uh, Austria delivers us something exciting, and I'm still confident that uh, old Nando is going to get himself a big W at some point this year. Full undercard too, F2s, F3s, mm. and the Porsche Super Cup as well. So get good, the couch groove ready. Yeah, they're, they're in the good time zones there, so looking forward to the supports. Uh, the other thing too is uh, a bit of Hollywood investing into F1 as well with the uh, with the recent investment in Alpine. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds buying a Formula 1 team wasn't on my bingo bingo card for 2023, right. but uh, Maximum Effort Holdings, which is a great name for a business, uh, involved in this massive consortium that's bought into Alpine. Interesting that they bought 25% of the team and it, that their share values the team at almost a billion dollars. Wow. Which is impressive. So those... And they're franchises now, and this is exactly what Liberty Media wanted. They're, they're now really starting to gain value. And Alpine would not be by any extent the most valuable franchise in that game. So it's a long way from the $10 billion that an English Premier League club or an NFL club's worth, but we're starting to see that real embedded value in these Formula One teams now, which is great. So, um, yeah, really impressive. It's another good storyline for F1 to have someone like that involved in that new ownership group. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of US sports franchises tied up with that ownership group as well, which is cool. So, um, yeah, hopefully that gives Alpine what they need to, to take another step forward. And remember, that team is a they're a great race team, Enstone, mm. um, um, that they date all the way back to Benetton. They're a team that's won world championships have reinvented themselves of one route world championships again reinvented themselves contended for world championships and i'm sure they'll get to a point where they can do that again so uh, yeah it'll be cool surely that's a contentious, like... sorry mark surely that's a contentious point though can you can you be your former team if you've rebranded yourself and you renamed yourself well i think so the stats that... i think the stats stop like i think they, oh, well, they, they have I, to don't they I'm yeah. not sure. I'd have to double check, but I don't think they draw on. Well, Mercedes is material, is it? So Michael no, Schumacher correct. wasn't a forward, a former Alpine driver. No. no, no, no. But the team, the core of the team. I mean, they're in the same building, and they're still based in Enstone. And the core of the team, you can trace its roots back to what they are. But you know, in the same way, you can ch chase Red Bull's roots back to when they bought Stuart Grand Prix. Mm. But Ryan Reynolds. By it's not like buying an absolute garbage soccer team and making good of it, is it? There's not. It's not as good a Netflix show that'll come it's out not, of buying well, Alpine. Formula One have already got their own Netflix show, and Ryan Reynolds is associated with Amazon Prime anyway, so oh, right, I right. don't think it matters. But uh, I don't think he's buying that for uh, the feel-good story. I think he's buying that because there's some cash involved. He sold his mobile phone. He had that Mint Mobile business. Mm -hmm. He sold that for like a billion dollars. No. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds turns out not just a particularly good actor and married to Blake Lively and irritatingly good-looking in his own right and funny, but a uh, very, very smart businessman. Is Deadpool his best? I could have had some of those genes, seriously. Like, I just the Blake Lively attracting gene would be nice, but... <laughs> what a man crush you got going even... on there, Richard. Well, well he's done. a bloody legend, but he's... Yeah. it's just not fair. Why do they all get all the good, good genes? Deadpool, that's his best oh, part, isn't it? That's his cracker, best. Isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, NASCAR. We've missed out on a couple of weeks of NASCAR, Mark, so fill us in. But I'm sure it's not going to be as entertaining as next week's update. Yeah. So uh, the, the first week's update, uh, there was no race. So that was a quick report there. Good. Thanks for that. Excellent. Well played, Tony. Uh, last weekend, Nashville. Uh, Ryan Blaney had a massive stack. He found the one bit of wall that didn't have a safer barrier and he absolutely snotted it. And uh, we'll see if he backs up this week. We've seen a few of the delayed concussions kick in this year. So that, that'll be fun to see how that plays out. The win went to Ross Chastain, who didn't crash watermelon into anyone mm. and absolutely pummeled a watermelon. Great to see. And then uh, eating the watermelon off the racetrack. No five second rule there. So, uh, 
They breed them tough, those watermelon farmers. Uh, this week, of course, they're off to the Chicago Street Circuit. SVG uh, hit the test track at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Roval there. So uh, Monday, US time. So that's handy because nobody else gets to go testing this week. So uh, <laughs> he got behind the wheel of his actual race car for a full day's testing. So he'll be used to the car. And the Roval's probably pretty close to what this uh, mm. street circuit's going to be. It looks... Uh, like we're going to have a lot of crashing. I'd say everyone's going to crash a few times and it's going to be a survival of the fittest. Uh, I posted a bit there on uh, Twitter today, the first and six turns, they just seem to crash into each other, end of long straights, and they put a brick wall up. So I did look at that. And it, it there's a corner like that at uh, Singapore as well. So I, Yeah, I, but but Singapore, they managed to they misalign wiggle, them. So they've got some escape roads in, yeah. Put some escape roads. This one, there's no escape no, roads. No, they, they don't think. care about yeah. escape roads in America. It's fine. They're just going to fence them. Uh, but SVG's team is the one that won on the weekend with Ross Chastain. And these teams that uh, have the V8 drivers over there, we had uh, Erebus over there with Richard Childress Racing where they had a first and a second uh, when they were over there. Now SVG's had a win and whatever happens this weekend. So uh, it all bodes fairly well for him. What will happen? Just give us an early prediction on that. Oh, it's going to be stupidity. It's going to be absolute chaos. These first turns on these road courses are nuts in these NASCAR Cup cars, and they're running them straight into a brick wall. So <laughs> I don't know what they expect to happen, but it's going to happen at 7.30 a.m. Monday morning. It's going to be a picturesque track. Like, it's it's a really cool backdrop there in Chicago, mm. but the... Grant Park. Yeah, the, the track's got a lot of those Detroits about it uh, in that it's a lap of the block. Yeah. yeah, with a lot of things. Well, yeah, this is the problem with street circuit racing in America is that if you Google map every US city, they're all grid. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Long Beach is such a, an outlier because it's actually got a nice sweeping bend in it and some interesting stuff. Yeah, oh, it's going to be great. Where do you think Shane will finish? He can win it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, don't, I have no doubt in my mind he can win this, but... I'd say with the stupidity that's going to happen and the fact that they just use each other up, it'll be some, it'll be AJ Elmendinger or Michael McDowell or someone from left field who isn't in the last crash. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So 7.30 AM you reckon? Yep. Where? Uh, on the TV guide on the racetalk.com. Check it out. KO Sports and Fox Sports. Beautiful. Excellent. 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 Uh, anything else we need to cover off before we get into our, much famed hots and knots. Uh, IndyCar Road America was a good race. Enjoyed that. Um, Much Plow, overtaking. Yeah, lots of overtaking. Um, Alex Plow is probably going to win the championship with a couple of races to go, the way it's going at the moment. Um, Miles in front, and then it looks like he's going to decamp and disappear off to F1 potentially now. So um, that'll be great. Uh, yeah, so Will Power had an argument with Scott Dixon. So the two Queenslanders got into each other there, which was entertaining for a moment, yeah. and they were all all matey again on the the pre race stuff, but bit of bit of a show. So that was good fun. Um, IndyCar continues in mid Ohio this mid -Ohio, weekend, Ohio, and then Iowa, and then Toronto. So a little little short oval at Iowa. They were cool races last year, and they sold the joint out, which is great. So, um, well, and mid Ohio this weekend, Scotty won there last year. Yes, so yes, good yeah. track for him. Yep, he's probably due another one, I reckon. He is due a win. Hasn't had one for a little while. Well, about three uh, races, so yes. Yes, yeah, a little while. No, it is. Absolutely. Considering we expected him to win the championship this year. Well, well, that might well we did. Reaching a bit too high. I did say he was going to win the Indy 500, but, you know, that didn't work. No, exactly. Uh, hots and knots. Right, hots. Plenty have been accumulated. Let's start with hots. All right. Darwin. Yes. Darwin. Blanket yes. hot. That is yes. in. I I would go so far as to saying it's in the hot hall of fame. Uh, no bad experiences at Darwin. Uh, also hot the Darwin Ski Club. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Had a lovely little brief uh, debrief there one evening with my TV colleagues, and that was sensational. Uh, hot the first beer you have at the Darwin Ski Club. Yes, uh, yes. Unbelievable. Just yes. oh, that, that first beer on tour. Um, that's that's mm. tremendous. And the first um, photo of the beer. Yeah, that too, with the sun perfectly reflected in yep, the background, that, which has to happen. Uh, I'll move on from Darwin, because uh, we are a week removed from that event now. Uh, hot to sports car racing. 
uh, Salem's sixth hour of the Glen at the weekend. Controversial finish. Porsche disqualified. They've appealed. But BMW granted the victory by finishing second. Good drive from Connor to Philippi uh, for the Ray Hall run BMW team, which means that all four major brands in IMSA GTP racing have now won a race this year, which is tremendous stuff. So on that, so the Porsche got scrubbed for having an overly worn skid block by a poof tenth of nothing. Yes. Like there was nothing wrong with it. Yes, correct. Uh, and they got stripped of their win. But Maya Shank Racing won the Rolex 24 at Daytona at the start of the year with yes. an absolute fudger, a yes. blatant cheater. But they got the to win. keep their win. Yes, hence the protest from Roger Penske. Seems like a good idea, really. Doesn't it? Yeah, correct. I suspect Porsche will end up winning the Watkins Glen race. Um <laughs> But regardless, it's broad, it's wide open. All four brands had a crack at winning that race, which was great. Uh, hot also to the Vassa Sullivan Racing Team, the Lexus team in the GT3 cars, GTD class, winning both the Pro and the M. So tremendous job for them. So double class wins for them. And also hot to Scotty Andrews, who mm. had a win in LMP3, which was very, very cool. Uh, it was good to catch up with him at the Le Mans 24 hour. Uh Big hot to, assuming it's when it finally gets officially announced, uh, common sense prevailing and Joey Mawson getting his super license as has been reported in the press this week. And my sources tell me it is a positive story. So hopefully that happens and that will be a very, very big hot because stupid that he doesn't have one so far. And my final hot is, goes back to Watkins Glen. Mazda MX-5 racing. Oh, yes. It, it's the greatest. Have you seen those clips where the yes, IMSA have. drivers review the racing? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it is possibly the best racing on the planet right now, I think. Uh, if you haven't watched MX-5 racing, IMSA's YouTube channel has all of the races up. You can watch them all on demand. How did, how did Hinch wind up going on the weekend? Uh, he ended up... So he had dramas early... Right to the back of the field, ended up charging his way through to finish tenth. Nice, which was pretty respectable, I think. And bear in mind, if you're tenth in that field, you're only a second from the win. Yes, because this how how do they do super speedway style pack racing on a road course? I don't know, but that's how those things race. It's extraordinary. Uh, love it. That's my uh, hot list for this week. Right. Uh, waking up at 4.22 a.m. last Tuesday morning, I opened up Twitter to find that at 4.23 a.m., Oscar Piastri had tweeted his best tweet since he denied going to Alpine. And it was a simple tweet, three characters in length, 1-0. Well done, Oscar, there on the live update. I was looking for the result of the cricket, and he absolutely delivered. Thank you, Oscar. Well played. Um I think it sort of pains me to say this, but Gen 3, the racing is actually good. If you overlook the political rubbish that's going on, the spontaneous combustion of cars, it's actually pretty spicy racing. Like, I think I think they kind of got lost over the weekend because there was a lot of good moves. You know, you talked about Chas Mostert earlier. You know, he started 17th, 24th, 25th. He made up 36 places in the three races. It was unreal. And... Uh, James Pavey from supercars.com posted the stat that after five rounds last year, SVG was leading by 281 points. After five rounds this year, the top seven are covered by 287. So the competitiveness is there. So I, yeah, don't, it's not panic stations yet. It's not a write-off yet. Give it a chance. I hope. Um, Mentioned JLB. I'm glad he's got that asterisk off his back that he finally got that win. I'm I'm really happy that he was able to do that. That shows his season isn't a fluke. He keeps nailing these top fives. He's eighth in the championship at the halfway point of the season, after the halfway point of the season. So he's absolutely hanging in there, which is good. Uh, Hot goes to when your indigenous indigenous livery is better than your normal one. Triple eight, middies. Mm. Think about it. You can do it, can't you? You can have a good livery. Triple eight, definitely, 100%. Uh, hot or not, depending on your perspective, Checo Perez, who after Miami looked like he was going to be a Red Bull driver for life, suddenly has three rubbish races. Then they're going to put Ricardo in for a three-day test at Silverstone, <laughs> and he's gone. How about that? What are the what are the odds? Um, 
you may have noticed, Richard, the Bathurst 12 hour next year is set for the 18th of February. Yep. Coincidentally, Taylor Swift is in the country playing that weekend at the MCG, where no doubt Tony Shebeki will be grand announcing. Do you have to grand announce Taylor Swift? <laughs> oh, he's lost his voice. Oh, no. <laughs> he's, he's, he's blown up his microphone. Oh, no, no. he's gone. Just oh, here he is. Say- uh, no, not normally. Normally, I wouldn't be there for Taylor Swift. Well, I think you should probably uh, sell your ticket then. I think you probably you can make millions. <laughs> you can make definitely millions to sell out. <laughs> Importantly, this frees up Fernando Alonso to drive an Aston Martin in the Bathurst. Yes. <laughs> and assumably, that means that Tay Tay can drop by and do a post race show for the campers at Reed Park. Mm-hmm. So this it's is definitely the... her audience. And this is the thing. This is the way that you're going to top Valentino Rossi this year if you have Fernando and uh, Tay-Tay there for the 12-hour next year. There's every chance you could sing the national anthem. Oh, that'd be be, be keen, wouldn't it? Back here from the MCG concert at 4am in Mount Panorama. (laughs) It's a big call. (laughs) Just pulled it all night, old Tay-Tay. Good on her. And finally, uh, something non-motorsport hot. Uh, I randomly stumbled across this. I guess the algorithms have absolutely sussed me out. But uh, and a lot said about the positioning of the Great Pyramids there in Giza. You know, like it's all all the coordinates mean this and this and this, and it's got so much deeper meaning to it. Turns out, if you draw a straight line from the Great Pyramid of Giza, the Great Sphinx of Giza, straight across the street, there's a pizza hut. <laughs> And it's a, it's a combined Pizza Hut and KFC yes, arrangement, <laughs> and the menu looks bloody good in Egypt. So uh, if you're in the area, drop by. Yes, do. There's no wonder Domino's are struggling in Australia. They're closing 90 stores or something like that, and it's it's, it's the love that Pizza Hut has been shown on this program. I, and... I do have I do have a photo of a Pizza Hut in Bali, which I was meant to put onto the chat. Uh, the other day, but I forgot to do that. Uh, was yeah. there a life-size and there was a, there was a salad Jones. bar. Oh, what? What? Yes. Hang on. Hang no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Are you talking like an all-you-can-eat Pizza Hut? Yeah. A Pizza Hut restaurant. Really? Yes. There's in still Bali. one in Bali. Yes. I'll send the photo to our group. All oh, right, you, boys. You might be able to tweet it for us, Mark. The yeah. TRT Christmas party trip. We're going to Bali. Yeah, it's right there in Kuda. Right, eh? Yeah. Uh, hot for me is the F-35 Lightning. Oh, my God. Lord. This thing got as low that you could see its nuts and bolts in the undercoat. Whoa, it was straight. <laughs> <laughs> it was that it was it was a better display than last year. The only thing was that it didn't have the surprise element of last year. Last year was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing we've seen. Because none of us had seen a fighter jet for three years because of COVID. Yeah. So it was the best thing ever. It was loud it, and it was We expected good. it. But old mate was absolutely on the ragged edge of doing aerobatics in a $150 million fighter plane, wasn't he? No, he was right on it. You're right. It was you're very, very good. It but straight off good. that hot must also come the knot that the anthem was either a second late or the plane was a second <laughs> No, the anthem was the anthem finished early. Yeah. The, the anthem 100% finished early. Disappointing. Fucker. I nearly nailed it. Nearly yeah. a second out. Uh, you've you stolen all my Darwin hots, so I won't go any further with that. Uh, the Dempasar MotoGP, which is run every day. In, <laughs> oh, God. I have Rude. never seen so many freaking motorbikes jostling for position that I have in the streets of Bali. Crazy stuff. Uh, and, and it was in Cuda two days ago. And if there was one motorbike parked on the side of the road, there was 15,000. The whole main street of Cuda just was three deep in bikes the whole way right down parked. They love a motorbike mm. in Indonesia. They absolutely love a motorbike. Do you, um, did your, your boogie board bag come back okay? Yeah, no, came back okay, good. good. Just check. Yeah, I'm positive it did. Oh, great. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. No, I'm still, I'm still worried now. about seeing the nuts on the. Uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got to say, I've got nothing more to say now on the grounds that I may incinerate myself. Yeah, right. very uh, good. Knots. Uh, some knots. Uh, I have a big knot in, and uh, it relates to. We need an Aussie category racing at uh, the Bang Seng Grand Prix. Oh, 
Now, Jay, Jay Robotham will be up there, we, we know, which is great. Uh, James Taylor, race director to the stars, will be up there, um, race directing, as he does. But uh, here's the thing, Richard. We're, we're recording this, what is today, Tuesday night. Yes. They've already had practice. Yes. The yep. practice starts on Tuesday. Sensational. Like, well, why not? The only the only issue I have with that, Mark, is they don't start Monday. Why not make it in entire Last week. week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the, the dates in the calendar. It's like Tuesday to Sunday. It's like, well, normally they oh, count scrutineering or whatever. Yeah. No, no, no. We're no. going on the track on Tuesday, boys. It, it is... And every report I've had and every picture I've seen, it is just epic. That's my bucket list. Yeah, it, it's right up there. And I think we need a Team TRT trip to Bangsang next year. Okay. I, th I think it's going to happen. Uh, we'll wait for the calendar gods to, to play their cards right, but I think we're going to do it. You can park your Bali holiday for a year, Shebex. Yeah, I will. Let's, sure. let's go to what is the Gold Coast street circuit, but, <laughs> but a thousand percent sketchier. On the beach with monkeys. Oh, but, and this is the thing. It's free entry. Mm. And I saw the, the official Facebook page put up a post today asking for media accreditation requests. Just go to the tower and sign on. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That? What a process. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're not mucking around here, boys. Do you want a media pass? You get a media pass. Everyone gets a media pass. Yeah. Correct. I, I've, I've led with the, the big story there, unfortunately, my knots, but that is my number one knot for this week is that, that we're not at Bang Seng and there's not an Aussie category there to give me a really good, preferably tax deductible excuse to go to it. But, um, and, and you know what? I reckon there'd be a cheap knockoff Pizza Hut restaurant. Yeah, I reckon well. there would Probably be, would too, be too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, not to the Darwin Midgies who got me real bad this year. Yeah, uh, did they? Uh, real bad. They're yeah, New no good. New, still got the marks on my legs. No good. But I will not quit wearing shorts at that place. Uh, and my final knot is to the uh, post-Darwin plague, uh, which isn't fun. And uh, I know multiples of people that ended up with it. Uh, not sure if it was from the racetrack or from Sunday night or from the moron sitting in a row behind me coughing the entire flight back to Darwin on Monday night, back to Adelaide on Monday night. Ah, oh, you're a flog. Um, and Matt Nolte? What? No, no, he was he was three <laughs> rows further back, so he was out of the line of fire. And Todd Hazelwood was two rows the other side of me, so it wasn't him either, but the bloke sitting directly behind me in five alpha, I think he was in, was uh, coughing like a lunatic the whole way back and was not impressed. Either way, uh, no good. But uh, so that's that's my overriding knot for the week. Uh, and my other knot is that we have to wait 12 months to go back to Darwin. And I don't want to do that. Doesn't have to be. Well, it does, really. Right. Um, not. And you know what? I think you went full Trump style and absolutely admitted this earlier on the podcast, Richard Crail. But how bad a person you are when you go to the Darwin Ski Club and you prioritise taking a photo of your beer and putting it on the group chat addressed to me without taking a sip. Surely you should be taking a sip of your beer before you take a photo of it, champ. Okay, so two things. Here One, too bad. Uh, two, it was my second beer. <laughs> Okay, uh, second knot <laughs> on the last podcast we recorded, you said that Ford would win two races. What I went, did. What went I wrong? did. Well, one of them burst on fire. Ah, <laughs> truth. All right, my turn. Uh, not to me. It took until the social media post today, Tuesday, from the Speed Series for me to figure out the Lachlan Neef from TCR and Lachlan Neef from Formula <laughs> 4 to two different people. Two different boys, yes. they are. Yes. What? That was that post designed to do that. <laughs> Just, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well yeah. done. Um, what's, even, what's even worse with that is that I do PR for Formula 4 and I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Oh, you shouldn't admit that. <laughs> um, a knock goes to the uh, TV broadcast on the weekend up there in Darwin. Um, clearly, they were talk, told not to talk about the parody issues at play. You know, the supercars trackside at the end of Sunday, they're normally in there with the hard hitting analysis and the hard hitting analysis was about who was the bigger underdog winner, JLB or Mark Winterbottom, not one mention of parody in the whole thing. You go back to Newcastle, there was a fair bit of hard hitting analysis went on post race, but uh, 
seem to go lacking there in the weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what gets said after Townsville on that Don't front. Look at me, I just call Carrera Cup. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're a good boy. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, a bit of a peek behind the curtain here. I use a program called TweetDeck during the mm. race weekends mm. to monitor socials. You can look up pertinent hashtags and phrases and whatnot. And I put one of those phrases in, in adverted commas, Hidden Valley. <laughs> and as it, transfer, as it transpires, Hidden Valley is a brand of American ranch salad dressing. <laughs> and apparently it's not a very good ranch salad dressing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three random tweets from the top of the list included, Hidden Valley Ranch is disgusting. Hidden Valley Ranch is repulsive. And also... I almost pooped myself after eating Hidden Valley Ranch. <laughs> so I'm not going out to Hidden Valley Ranch. Um, back to that IndyCar race at Road America, uh, obviously the Scott Dixon on Will Power. Uh, that was such an average piece of driving. That wasn't very good. Uh, so Will did give him a double bird though, which was hot. Uh, and then there was also the, the Romain Grosjean on Will in practice. That was suboptimal. And then Will got out of the car and said that he wants to punch him in the face. So whatever mm-hmm. paliness went on there is now gone. Uh, I guess it was hot that Grosjean dropped it cold at turn three right in front of Will in the race. And then Grosjean launched himself off that rubbish curb at turn one before he finally dropped it at turn three again. So uh, Romain Grosjean, you're a knot. Uh, Lee Diffie losing his voice there. Boys, what's the remedy to that? What can you do? Uh, Yeah, pineapple juice uh, and loads of Alan's uh, butter menthols with the honey centers Mm. are my key. And these are honey and lemon tea for me. Yeah, okay. Yep. All right. There we know. Yeah. Uh, To be fair to Diff, yeah, he did just do the Lamar 24 hour the week before. So, yeah. Yeah. It happens. It absolutely happens. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Um, To be fair to you, you yes. did the Le Mans 24 hours the week before as well, and you still did a Porsche Carrera Cup over a weekend. So let's not make too many excuses. For yes, and and no one knows the extent to which I went to maintain <laughs> the level of volume over that weekend. Uh, it took some management. And alcohol. That did not play a role. I don't drink, Rex, you know that. No, that's true. Um, the CCTV system in Canada, which saw the opening practice canned, that mm. was rubbish. Uh, they then extended P2 and it went up raining in that session. It was useless. Anyway, uh, we saw that session interrupted at Albert Park with a GPS issue. It's What happens if one of these auxiliary support systems fails in the race? What happens then? Do we just call the whole thing off? Is it just Red too hard? Red flag. Remember back in the day when we used to be able to run race meetings with official sanction, you know, positioned around the racetrack strategically so they could watch the cars go around. <laughs> Those were the days, weren't they? Yeah. So that's going to be a disaster in the making. Um, Ted Kravitz, he is my standing knot. Boy, he makes Australian commentators look competent, doesn't he? <laughs> Seriously. At one stage during that race in Canada, he started banging on about how unsportsmanlike Michael Schumacher was in Adelaide 1994. And yeah, I understand. I understand. Pommy commentators—they're catering to their audience. That's great. That's fine. Whatever. I cop that. But and as a failed pit lane commentator myself, I understand. <laughs> but seriously, I am turning into my grandfather, and I had to take my headphones off and stop listening to his prattle. It is awful. Uh, also, while in Montreal, did anyone notice that 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 remote camera, the speed camera before the hairpin, it swings around as the cars go past. And all race long, there were different arms hanging out through the fence with mobile phones. <laughs> mm. What the hell was up with that? Was it punters? Was it officials? That sort of rubbish wouldn't go on in Australia because people would lose their arms if a Formula One car hit that. So uh, that's my extensive list of knots for the it's week. Good, it's a good knot list, that. <laughs> that is quality. Uh, no, it is. And it's stopped me right in my tracks because I've been on holidays for two weeks, so I've been happy about everything. I have no knots apart yeah. from the fact that you have to come back from holidays. Well, any taxi drive, any taxi drives you had run-ins in? No, we had some really good. We had, we had some really good drivers over there. You, you probably didn't need maxi taxi, would you? It, you know, you know they take motorbike taxis over in Bali. <laughs> really? So they pick up one or two people on a Vespa. <laughs> you're, you're on the back of a Vespa. No, no, they tried to get us. But That'd we, be a, be a my, sick wheelie, dude. With, with me on there, my wife would not have fit. On the bike, unless she was sitting on the front in between the rider's legs in between him and the handlebars. And I'm not sure she was tempted to do that. Did you ask her that? I didn't actually. 
I will next. I'll have an answer for you next week on that. <laughs> one, one more final closing knot then, Shebex. On behalf of you, uh, I, I will just throw one, and, and this show goes out on the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels, uh, which is based in the UK. Uh, and there was some cricket discussion whilst I was over there recently. And I'd just like to give a nod to Ollie Robinson, who you don't bowl rubbish. He's pies. a flog. He's a flog. A flog. Pie, bowl pies like that. You're one nil down now, mate. And don't use Ricky Ponting's name in jest. Yeah. Do not use one of the greatest Australian cricketers of all time name in jest. That is absolutely crossing a line. And then Stuart Broad pops up in his defence. How's the hypocrisy there? Sensational. Uh, listen to Ash's talk coming your way soon. Um, and and, so and, to, and to quite off, a fantastic tweet from earlier in the program. One, one dash nil. zero. That's going to be really good, isn't it? And then we're going to win the World Cup later on. Anyway, uh, good stuff. Like it. All right, boys. We'll get a, catch we'll get a guest next on next week. week. We're going to Big say it right now. We've been promised Charlie Schwerkolt. So we're going to go right now that uh, hopefully Charlie will be joining us on the show. I'm sure we will look forward to that because uh, I'm sure that win has made that uh, team even feel a lot greater than what it may have been before that. So uh, we'll find out what uh, what effect that has had to him and his team. Guys, we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.